Hey, good morning. Good morning. So I'm going to ask this question a different way because it didn't work so well in the first gathering. How many of you travel a lot for work slash used to travel a lot for work? There we go. Awesome. First gathering, everybody's like, I don't travel anymore. <laughs> well, uh, my dad didn't travel much growing up. I, I, so if you travel, you probably know this story, this scene, right? We all kind of have an idea of this scene that dad's gone on a long trip. He's out for a couple of weeks trying to, you know, bring home the money for the family. And he, he shows up at the front door and the kids run to the front door. Daddy, daddy, you're home. You're home. What did you bring us? And he says, I brought you me. And the kids do what? Oh. And then they go sit by the door of the bedroom while he unpacks his suitcase, just hoping. And, and, and you know the story, right? Like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I have something for you, right? Well, like I said, my dad didn't, didn't travel much growing up for me. Like, he was, he was in the reserves for the Air Force. So I do remember one trip when I was about 15 or 16, he had to go spend a couple weeks in Germany and he brought home some beer. And so we had a beer in the garage together when I was 15 or 16. And since I think the statute of limitations on CPS going to get him is over, I'm fine. I'm fine telling that story. Uh, I used to travel a little bit when I owned my businesses. I would travel for, for photography and for video stuff. I got to go uh, quite a few cool places. And when I'd come home, my kids, you know, I'd come to the front door. My kids would run up, Daddy, 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 you're home. What did you bring us? And I would say, I brought you me. And they'd say, and you're everything we need, Dad. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful story. Actually, no, I traveled a few weeks ago. And I came home. And they're like, oh, you're back? Okay. Anyway, we're in week two of our series, I Am, where we're, where we're looking at some statements that Jesus made about himself. We're looking at them in hopes that, that we might actually begin to know who Jesus is. Uh, if you remember this from last week, that we're kind of hoping that we might go from these outer circles of relationship with him, start making our way in towards the inner circles of what it means to have relationship with him. To go from having an impersonal, kind of factual uh, cursory knowledge of him to a heart level personal knowledge of him. And that's what we're trying to do because knowing who Jesus is helps us know how to have relationship with him. And it's in relationship with Jesus that we begin to experience the change. We begin to experience the transformation that we talk so much about, that we hope so much for. And as Jesus put it last week, where we begin to experience living water. And yet so many of us, uh, even those of us who would say that we're followers of Jesus, we're, we're not experiencing anything close to that. And, and really, why is that? And well, I think it's because early on in our faith, for, and for a lot of people who, who might be in this room who you just put your faith in Jesus or you're very new to the faith, or, or maybe you're just coming back to the faith. Maybe this, this topic that we're going to talk about today, maybe this is one of the reasons you walked away from faith in the first place. Because this whole idea of what we're going to talk about, it didn't work out like you thought it was going to. It goes a little bit, like the story we kicked off with this morning of, hey, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. for Now, what do I get and how do I get it? <laughs> and in case you don't know what I want, here's a, here's a list of all the things that I want. Now, how do I, how do I get it? Okay, how, how are you going to give it to me? What, how do I get it? And if, here's a little advice for you. If you're hurting for cash, if you want to make some real money, just write a book about how to get God to do your bidding how to get God to do what you want to do, and it's going to fly off the shelves. You're never going to have an issue with money again. But the problem with that is, in fact, this whole idea, it may describe what's going on in some of your relationships right now. Maybe it's what's going on in your marriage or with one of your kids or your parents. It's impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always 
trying to get something. You just can't do it. it it's impossible. There's, there's always an agenda. Uh, you're constantly measuring your words, always trying to figure out how you can manipulate the situation in a way that you can get what you want, how to manipulate it in your favor. And you all know this. You all have people in your life who are always trying to get something from you. And I'm sure you'd say this regardless of the relationship. A family member, a, a friend, a, a co-worker. You'd say that their constant quest to always get something from you, that it has a negative impact on your relationship. And it's the exact same way when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. As long as all you want Jesus for is what he can give you, what he can do for you, you can't possibly know what it means to have a true, authentic relationship with him. You're always going to be holding him off at an arm's distance. You're, you're going to keep a gap between the two of you. You're going to use your impersonal, your factual, your kind of Facebook profile knowledge of him, if you remember from last week, to try and manipulate him to give you what you really want. But you're never truly going to know him at all. You're going to spend your whole life always trying to get something from him. But here's the deal. Make no mistake. Jesus has something for you. We read about it right here in John. At the end of the book of John, John has written a lot of words, right? It's a, it's a pretty big book. And John says this. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have. And there it is. Have what? Jesus what do you got for me? What do, what do I get? What are you going to give me? And that, that's the tension that we're confronted with today. But before we jump in to what we're going to talk about today, I'd like to take a minute and talk a little bit about bread. Who loves bread? <laughs> yes, we all love bread. Who, like me, tries to not eat a lot of bread? There's a few of us. Who would say that by not eating a lot of bread, maybe you've lost a little bit of weight? Yeah, a few of us. Uh, who would say that by not eating a lot of bread, you've lost all joy in life? <laughs> yes, far, far many more of us. I mean, I, I try not to eat a lot of bread, but I'll tell you, not eating bread does suck the joy out of some meals. I'll tell you that. Well, we, we know bread has, gotten, bread has gotten a bad rap over the years. We've just been told over and over again that, that bread is something that you should stay away from, all the carbs, all the stuff. But actually bread for... For the Jewish people, it was, a, it was a major source of sustenance for them. In fact, it was, it was a healthy source of sustenance for them. It helped sustain them. Uh, bread became a part of nearly every meal that they had. They'd have bread and some sort of protein. Uh, and Jews, they seemed to love bread on a different level. I mean, they, they apparently would do anything for it, and they would travel great distances for it, as we will learn a little bit later today. But one quick fact about bread. Did you know that sliced bread wasn't invented until 1928? Yeah, 1928. And in fact, at that moment, it was considered to be the best thing since loafed bread. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I, this is two times. I'm serious. I, I asked the team this morning. I was like, hey, pray for me because I want to be able to tell that joke without laughing. And I can't, like... When I wrote that joke this week, every, all week long I'd be sitting in my truck and I'd think about delivering that joke and I'd just die laughing. So I'm glad it, it paid off. <laughs> anyway, a little context for our morning. We're going to be in John 6 today. Uh, John 6 is a big book. 
Uh, and I got to give us some context uh, as to what has been going on before the passages that we're going to hit today. And, and so uh, if you were around for the last series I preached, I preached on this. And so I'm sure you remember it all. I, like I, I guarantee you know it all. So it might be a uh, repeat for you, so don't get bored. But just, just because there's new people here, right, we'll go over it again. So the story goes like this. Jesus and his disciples are out killing it. I mean, they are working their tails off. They're healing people. They're serving people. They're casting out demons. And they're just tired. I mean, they've been going hard for a long time. And it's time for them to rest. And thankfully, Jesus knows that we need to rest. And so Jesus is the one that comes up with the idea. He says, hey, hey guys, let's go, let's go over here and just take a break. Let's, let's rest for a little while. We'll go up over this hill and we'll take a break. But unfortunately, one of the disciples posted on Instagram where they were headed. And by the time they got there, I mean, they've got their beach towels over their shoulder. They've got their coconut drink with the umbrella. They're walking over the hill for some rest. And there's thousands of people over the hill. And as you can imagine, the preparation, the excitement for that rest, man, they were ticked. They were really bummed. But Jesus had compassion on the people. So Jesus begins teaching them and serving them and ministering to them. And the day grew late. After all Jesus preaching, the day, they, day grew kind of late and disciples tried to kick everybody out so finally they could get some rest. But Jesus, Jesus said, can't you see that they're hungry? And the disciples were like, hey, be that as it may, I didn't, I didn't bring any food. and He didn't bring any food and Costco's closed. Taco Bell is too far away. And besides, could you imagine what it would cost to feed 5,000 men? The Bible's clear too, like men, but probably women and children. I mean, the scholars believe probably close... Between fifteen to 30,000 people. And Jesus, he said, well, well, what do you have? I don't have time to preach on that, but can you, can you feel the power in that, that Jesus just asked you to bring him what you have? If you bring him what you have, he can bless what you have. And man, the disciples are like, I don't know, I got this boy, he's got his mom packed him a Lunchable. Like, he's got a Capri Sun and some crackers and nasty meat, but I mean, <laughs> he had five loaves of bread and two fish. And so Jesus blesses what he had. And he hands it to the disciples and the disciples, then they're, they're charged with actually going to deliver this Lunchable to these 5,000, 15, 30,000 people. And so they go out and they start delivering food to the people to the point where everybody ate to their fill. I mean, they're just gluttoned on this food. They ate so much. The disciples go out and they pick up a doggy bag each. They've all got 12 baskets of leftovers. And here's what's crazy and what's super important for our message going forward is the people, the people who experience this miracle, they begin to talk amongst themselves. And Jesus realizes, we read in John, Jesus realizes that the people are about to come and take him by force to make him king. You see, they experienced something that made them want to come and take him by force to make him king. That's important for you to remember a little bit later. But Jesus, that's not his plan. That's not what he has going for, for himself right now. And so he takes the disciples down to the beach, puts them on a boat, sends them across the lake to the other side, and he retreats back up the hill to get away, just to get away from the people. And then while the people are sleeping off their huge meal that night, Jesus decides to go take a stroll across the lake. So if you, you, you may not know a lot about Jesus, maybe your first time here, but you probably heard at one point that Jesus walked on water. This is the story. He decides to walk from one side of the lake to the other because why take a boat when you can walk? And the next morning, the people, people wake up from their food coma 
and they start looking for Jesus because they want their continental breakfast, right? They want a bagel or something. Like the, the guy that gave them free food yesterday, he could do it again today. And they realized that he wasn't around anymore. And so this is, this is a crazy part of scripture. All of those people, those people got in a boat and crossed the lake. All those people went across the lake looking for Jesus. That's where we pick up the story. Today we're in John 6, verse 26 through the end, wherever that, 35. John 6, 26 says this. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And, man, what I see in this and in the story is that, man, we like to eat. We like to eat. And Jesus is speaking to a group of people who were only in it for what they could get out of it for their stomach. Uh, only with Jesus because they knew Jesus could give them something. At this point in the story, they're, they're just looking for free breakfast. See, Jesus has called them out. He's called them a bunch of moochers. And little side note, that was an unfortunate nickname of mine in middle school, Matt the Moocher. Always looking for something. And Jesus is saying, hey, you don't want to be with me. You aren't seeking relationship with me. You don't actually want to know me. You want to know what I can do. You want more food. And what's so important is as we talk about food, like we know what Scripture is trying to tell us about food. It's the things that we all go after. Not just actual bread, but the bread that we go after. But food is important. It's important for you. It's important for me. If you remember back to yesterday in the story, Jesus saw that they were hungry and he had compassion. He wanted to give them what they needed and so he gave them food. You have needs. You have needs and Jesus knows that you have them and he wants to fulfill those needs for you. He wants to give those good things to you. But the food, the food was meant to be a sign. The food was meant to be a sign that pointed back to the message. The miracle was meant to be a giant exclamation point at the end of his message, the truth of his message. It was the message that had the real sustenance, not the sign. So I thought of this little illustration. Could you imagine walking through the airport uh, you're running through security. You're just dying of thirst. And as you're running through the airport, you see a sign that says water fountain this way. And you run up and you start licking the sign. Well, well we know that that's not going to satisfy anything. The sign is only meant to point to what can truly quench your thirst. Extra brownie points, if you remember this one from the Don't Forget to Remember series. Miracles from God are about God to point us to God. And they missed it. They thought it was all about the food. And, and we miss it. We thought it was a coincidence that that money came in in, tide, in time to pay the bill. You and I, we, we miss it. We think it was dumb luck that our spouse got well. I mean, sure, we prayed for it. We begged. We asked for it. But when it came, we missed it because we had already started asking for the next thing. Because we focus on what we want to eat. Right now, we focus on what can't sustain us. We, we focus on what we want to get from him. And it's impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. The story goes on in verse 28. 
Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them the bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And what I notice here is one is never enough. One is never enough. I think there's kind of a double meaning to that statement. Do you guys remember the Lay's commercial, Bet You Can't Eat Just One? Well, I kind of think that's what's going on here. Like, this is what they were doing. They say, hey, Jesus, just as a reminder, in case you forgot, Jewish rabbi, our ancestors, and they were in the desert for 40 years, and God fed them every day for 40 years. That lunch yesterday, that's awesome. That's all good. But how's about one today? I mean, remember, 40 years, we'll take another one today because they realized food that they eat now can satisfy in the moment. But it, it can sustain you in the moment. Desires of this world, the things that we chase after, it can satisfy you for a moment. And I love the way Isaiah writes it in, in the message version. He says this, why do you spend your money on junk food, your, your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me and listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with only the finest. And I, I love the way that that's written because we know that we chase after things that are sweet on our tongue for a second and then they're gone. But isn't that how so many of us live our lives? Where, where one is never enough. Uh, always pursuing bread that spoils we have a car, but man, just, just one more. Like I would, I would like a nicer one if I could just get one more. I have a nice house. I mean, I've got rooms I don't really use, but just a little bit bigger. That, that would satisfy me. That would hold me over. But one more time having sex with him or her, that's, that's what's going to fulfill what I need in my life. But since the bread that we chase after never sustains us, we're always left chasing after more, chasing after the next one. I mean, think about it. So many of us in this room, so many of us watching online, we're thinking about something right now. We, we have a desire for something right now, and there's nothing wrong with that desire. But what we want right now will either be traded in, sold, or in a landfill in just a few years. And we know, intrinsically, we know that what we're chasing after right now, it's never truly going to satisfy because one is never enough for us. And the kind of the second meaning to that phrase is hey, the quest to get proof to believe is so common. Conversely, the hopes for a miracle that didn't come through is one of the greatest reasons people walk away from the faith. So if you're thinking to yourself, God, God, if you could do just this one thing. God, if you could just, if you just heal my mom, if you could help me get this job, this would be the one thing that I need to know that you're really there. God, I know I screwed up, but if you could make her fall back in love with me, that's all I need. If you could do that one thing, I would believe and I would follow you forever, but you wouldn't. You see, they experienced Jesus 
feeding them with some kid's Lunchable just a day before and now they're asking for more. If the sign wasn't enough for them, it's never going to be enough for you. Because they were there. They saw him with their own eyes. They, they heard his voice with their ears. They touched him. They were around him. They knew him. And they didn't believe. See, we read later, Jesus even tells us that you could see a dead man rise from the dead and you still wouldn't believe. If, if your focus is on the sign, one is never enough. And you're going to spend the rest of your life consistently looking for the next sign. Constantly trying to get him to do something for you, to give something to you, and wondering why you're not experiencing relationship with him. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. The story ends in verse 34. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And here we see enough. Enough is enough. So you keep asking for this bread. You keep asking for this bread that tastes good on your tongue for a moment. It, it fills your stomach for a moment, but it never lasts. And Jesus is saying, I am. I am the bread of life. I am enough for you today. I am enough for you Tomorrow, I'm enough for you for eternity. I'm enough to satisfy. I am enough to sustain and I am enough to save. But you keep asking for more bread. You keep asking for another full stomach. Another sign. And the fact that, the fact that they, they saw Jesus do that and then ask for another sign is like the dumbest thing you will ever read in Scripture. And, and we always give them a bad rap, but we do the same thing. We're constantly asking for another sign. We all, always want more bread. And we wonder why we're not experiencing the joy that we promise, the, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the hope that we know can only be found in him in a relationship with him. And church, just let me tell you, like, we don't need to get something from Jesus. We just need more Jesus. We don't need another sign. We don't, we don't need more things. We don't need more bread. We need more of him. And we know it's impossible to have an authentic relationship with him if we're always trying to get something from him. And the Jews, they, they just wanted Jesus for what he could give them. They were after another free meal. And you... You might be sacrificing relationship with him in pursuit of what you can get from him. But trust me, please believe me in this. Authentic relationship with him is what you really want. To go from this impersonal, factual knowledge about him to a personal, heart-level knowledge of him and an experience of him. Because it's in relationship with him where we experience the transformation, the change that we're looking for in our hearts and in our lives. At my tea life group on Monday, my, my poor tea life group, they either, they're either the luckiest people when I'm preaching or they're the most bored people. I really don't know which one it is. But I put so much study and time in, into working on these messages and it's got to come out somewhere. It can't all be up here. We'd be here for an hour. And so I'm always telling them, oh, you want to know more about this? 
They're always so nice to me. But this past week, they, they had some questions. They, they were unsure about something, and they wanted to know, hey, Matt, what is it? What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? And trust me, I get it. Like it it's one of the more difficult things to wrap our minds around when, when we first start to follow Jesus. Understanding a relationship with somebody that you can't see, that you can't hang out with, that you can't text, that you can't send Snapchats to, that you can't grab a meal with. It's, it's really difficult. And so, you know me, right off the top of my head, I came up with some really great stuff. And so I thought I'd share it with you today. And so I told him, I was like, I don't know for sure. Like, I have some ideas of what I think it is and, and what I think of when I think of a relationship with Jesus. And so I'll, I'll share them with you. And it's another great, like, you might be experiencing a relationship with Jesus if type of list. And so you might be experiencing a relationship with Jesus if in your times of pain, you look to him for comfort. Last week when I showed you all the circles, as you got close to the inside of that circle, the second row was about five people. And I said, these are, these are the five people that you would cry with. These are when you had sorrow or pain that you would go to them. Or if you had something good take place in your life, you'd go to these people. And, and so if you, if, you're, if you experience pain, sorrow, hurt, and one of the first things you do is look to him for comfort, and you might be in a relationship with Jesus. If in your times of joy... You thank him? Maybe. Maybe that's what it looks like because I, I know oftentimes in my life I might ask God over and over and over, God, would you help me with this? God, would you do this? Could I see you moving this way? And when it happens, I move right by it because I'm already looking for the next thing. But man, that's times that I've experienced him move and I've taken the time to thank him. And that's what it feels like to have a relationship with somebody. When you have a big decision before you, when you, when you have to decide, do I need to go this way or this way, do you seek him? Do you want to know from him what he has for you? If you're asking him for one or the other, like, you might be in a relationship with Jesus. If, if when you feel convicted, for those of us who follow Jesus, we use this word. It, really all it means for us is that we're, when we feel like we're doing something that, that we can feel in our soul isn't right. Like, we don't, we, we don't necessarily need a rule list to know, but we just know inside that, Something about this isn't right. When we feel convicted, do you turn to him? Do, do you look back towards him and say, okay, I'm going to follow you? So do any of these describe you? If you'd say that they do, I, I think that you are experiencing what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But whether or not you experience any of these or some of these, wherever you're at on that spectrum of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, the goal for us in all of our lives, especially here at Relevant, we talk about it all the time, is that we grow in our relationship with Jesus. There's no point on the spectrum where we said, no, nah, I'm good, I'm done, I got it, I'm, I'm right where I need to be. We always want to continually be growing in our relationship with Jesus. And so I thought I'd help you know what it means to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Again, uh, this isn't an exhaustive list, it's just things that I thought of that might be helpful for you. And by the way, I think of this list in the exact same way I think of the question, hey, how can I lose weight? Two things, eat less and work out. Lower calories, burn more calories, whatever. You got two things. And everybody's always like, yeah, I know that, but what else? I kind of think that about this list as well, but I call them rhythms of relationship. The first one is this, daily devotion. Daily devotion. Devote some time each day to be with Jesus. If you've been a part of the church for any period of time in your life, you, you know that this is a key element to maintaining relationship with Jesus. And we know it because it's, 
it's inside of us. Like we know that daily time with our spouse is probably a key ingredient in maintaining a relationship with them. And we know that daily time with Jesus is a key ingredient in maintaining a relationship with him. And I'm not going to tell you how. I don't, I don't care how. And I'll give you a little insight. I don't think God cares how. Morning, noon, night, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Devote some time each day to be with Jesus. Second thing is this, weekly worship. Don't send me any emails. I know we worship all the time. I know all that. I just wanted the WW. Daily devotion, weekly worship. I wanted you to remember. Make what we're doing here this morning a vital part of your life. Make it, make it a priority. Uh, because we do everything that we can to take the truths of Scripture and put them out there in a way that you can actually use them. Uh, that you can actually walk out these doors and experience what it's like to implement those things in your life and experience more of Jesus and grow in your relationship with Jesus. It's what this is all about. So make weekly worship a priority in your life. See, it's impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. But make no mistake, God does have something for you. More accurately, God is already given something for you and he's given the most important thing let's read this verse again but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the son of God and that by believing you may have life you may have life in his name when that becomes enough when the bread of life becomes enough. I mean, that is the starting line to experiencing relationship with him. And so I ask you this. What do you want from Jesus? What is it that you want from Jesus? Is it things? Is it stuff? Is it help? Is it a miracle? Uh, or is it life? Do you want to experience the bread of life? A little later in the story... Once all the, the Jewish people realized that Jesus wasn't going to do any more magic tricks that day, and once they realized that they weren't going to get a, another free lunch, that it wasn't free pizza day there, that John records exactly how they respond. And in John 6, 6, 6, kind of crazy how that works out. <laughs> From this time, many disciples turned and no longer followed him. This is one of the only times in Scripture where we see an account where thousands of people at one time turn their back and walk away from Jesus. See all the free stuff, all the cool tricks, all the magic show that they were experiencing, it wasn't enough. The, the signs that they saw, it wasn't enough. And, and him asking them to actually follow him, it was too much. And so they walked away and Jesus is standing there. He's got his 12 left and he looks at him and, well, what about you? You, you, don't, you don't want to leave me too, do you? And Peter, man, Peter has screwed up plenty, and we read about how Peter screwed up. But in this moment, Peter was kind of the shining star. Peter looks at Jesus, and he's like, where else am I going to go? What else am I going to do, Jesus? I, I've come to know that you are the Messiah. 
that, that you have the words of eternal life, that you are the bread of life. Where else am I going to go? Jesus, I don't see a long line of people who are lining up to die to save me. I don't see a whole lot of people lining up to offer me life, to offer me bread. And so what about you? Are, are you going to walk away too? There are a large number of people in this room, and I can say it with complete faith, there are a large number of people watching online who asked God for something and didn't get it. They, they believed God for something and it didn't happen. And I, I empathize with that. I do. But Jesus offers you so much more. And so he's asking you, do, do you want to leave too? See, Scripture tells us, the writers of Scripture tell us that Jesus is offering you more than you could ever ask or imagine. You ask for stuff and he's offering you more than you could ever utter out of your lips. See, Jesus is offering you life. Jesus is offering you the bread of life. And, and I ask you, will you take and eat this morning? Let me pray for us. For those of us in the room who have, who have yet to ever ask Jesus to forgive them and to save them, who, who have yet to accept the offer of the bread of life. And if this morning, if, if, if you've realized that, that you are at a place where you want to experience that relationship with Jesus, you could pray a prayer like this to put your faith in Jesus this morning. Jesus, I am broken and I'm a sinner. I've realized my need for you. Would you come and save my soul so that I can follow you from this day forward? Jesus, we are, we are a grateful people. Uh, even if we don't show it all the time, we're grateful that, that even as we seek after more and more and more, that you don't turn your back on us. Would you help us know what it means to live our lives as if you are our fullness, as if you are what gives us sustenance, as if you fulfill all of our needs. Help us to know that to be true in our lives. Speak to our hearts. Help us to know how to walk out these doors and, and live like you and, and to live with you and to live for you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.